0: Hello and welcome to Gameology episode 52. I'm one of your co-hosts, Matt Falvey, and I'm joined by... Attila Gabriel Brignitzki. We're talking about game reviews today. This is a topic that I think about quite often. As a kid, I loved reading game reviews. I still love reading game reviews, and but I feel like I see the same problems going on all the time and that I feel like the landscape of reviews has shifted quite a bit. I think that there's a lot to get into here, Attila. so what, what are some of your overall thoughts on the topic?
1: So when you first, uh, the very first thing that kind of popped into my head when you asked, uh, proposed this topic, uh, I was thinking about back when I was a kid and about the only thing I was really interested in seeing on a review was the sort of the number at the end. And it was almost a sort of like confirmation, affirmation thing. Mm -hmm. Like I wanted to see the games that I thought that I would like Like the the games that I was looking forward to, I wanted to see that they got a good review score. And then even like the opposite of that, the games that I didn't like because I was a Nintendo Xbox fanboy, uh, I wanted to see certain like Sony platform uh, exclusives tank. Mm. You know, I
0: think that I was just I was just looking at a review of Prey. I started playing Prey. I really, really really enjoyed it. And I I was shocked to see that uh, GameSpot had given it a 6 out of 10. And Mm. I read through uh, the points, and a lot of people in the comments, it was a lot of confirmation bias. People were saying, yeah, thank God somebody says that. And other people are saying, oh, I totally disagree. This is crazy. And as much as Mm. I don't agree with it being a 6 out of 10, I do agree with a lot of the written points. And I think that that's where most of it is where it really comes down to because I think my main point why I wanted to talk about review scores are that I yeah. think the actual number is is basically meaningless mm-hmm. in almost, you know, unless in, we're talking about extreme cases, but for the most part, I got a list I'm going to talk about later of games that were sure. 8 out of 10. Mm-hmm. And 8 out of 10 is the one I hate the most. And even though I thought 6 was too low for me, I would give it a 9 if I had to. Um, mm-hmm. I do like that it wasn't an 8 because an 8 doesn't tell you anything. An eight is, especially with a AAA game, if you tally up all the uh, equations and and, and, uh, bring in all the factors, just about every game that isn't a buggy mess is an eight. Because you can say, well, the sound's good and it's got a good, you know, the controls are fine. But that's not really what it's about. It's about is the game fun? Does it give you that feeling of. I normally stream games for two hours. I streamed Prey for Mm -hmm. six hours the other day and I didn't even notice it. It just, and that's, you know, because that game clicks with me. And that's what I'm getting at here is that the scores are meaningless because games are about personal preference.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I was going to say that um, obviously there's a lot of mixed reviews on Prey. It's definitely one of those games where um, some people really love that style of game and then they're absolutely, they're going to rate it higher. They're going to think better of it. And then there's going to be other people who... It's just not their thing, so they're going to say, uh, you know what, maybe I'll give this one a pass. Mm-hmm. So overall, that's probably um, one of the more polarizing experiences, um, at least one of the more polarizing AAA games that I can think of super recently. Well, it's, it's not just like you say, it's a specific type of game experience because
0: if you if you don't find the puzzle solving of dealing with difficult enemies and the tough decisions of what to upgrade and ex, and ex, yeah. you're going to find that game this is how the reviewer described it. he said the early part of the game is a grind and that the storytelling is thin whereas I love this game because it has environmental storytelling. There are so many mm-hmm. areas I found in that game where I learned, I felt so much from the story that I discovered in the room and the choices that I had to make that were all completely optional. Now, yeah. one thing I might posit is that this is a game that if you were under a deadline to review it and you had to bang out 40 hours of this game in a couple days, it's not the kind of game for that. You don't... Mm-hmm. It's not a linear game. You get the most enjoyment out of slowly exploring and I think that that's where... I wouldn't trust some reviewers that are going yeah. to say, well, the story's thin and it's a bit of a grind early on. Well, that's the, that's what makes it fun. That's the satisfying element of it.
1: Right. It's the it's the it's all the issues inherent with people trying to rush their reviews and like this yeah. is the kind of double-edged sword of like do you send review copies early and then enforce an embargo so that developers have the sort of full week at least to review the game before launch? but then force them to say, like, oh, you're only allowed to post the review mm-hmm. as of the day the game goes live or the night before or something. Um, that's the I best feel like that would help. Yeah. And that's the way it was for a
0: long time, where you had a long time and everybody had to put it at the same time, But and the games that didn't send out the early review copies generally were terrible, but now we're finding... It's same
1: with movie reviews, right? Movies that don't let absolutely. allow pre-screening. probably because they don't want the reviews
0: yeah you want to remove that equation of time but even if you remove that 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 time deadline there's still the the deadline of look these people are trying to make articles to make money and sell advertising and get clicks and uh, i got a friend who works on a high ranking site and i was asking him about reviews and he said honestly the time you can spend with on for a writer it is mm-hmm. far it is unbelievably more profitable for them to write news headlines. You can write mm-hmm. them in about ten minutes. You yeah. can get a lot more clicks. A review takes thirty, forty hours of somebody to play the game, then they gotta yeah. write it. And if people aren't interested in that game, you're gonna lose out on that. It's I mean, in the end, you're probably better off making a controversial review, but it's he says they do it just to sort of keep uh keep face, keep credibility as as a site yeah. that still cares about those games. So it's I, I find that it becomes less credible
1: in Yeah, a way. absolutely. Because it's one of those things where, as you said, like at the end of the day, a game review shows up on one of these websites as an article, as mm. one of several articles that you can click on, unless it's a website that is exclusively dedicated to game reviews, in which case that's the only content. But I don't think anyone can subsist on just game reviews nowadays. Um, everything's at least like trailers or game news or even branching out into comics. It seems like The overhead on keeping some of these places alive is just not enough to sustain. Uh, They're they're not game news alone is not enough to sustain them. So, like that in itself is kind of a sad thing because I I I love seeing news about games. I'm not much of a comic book guy, Mm -hmm. so when I start seeing other news about like oh analysts uh, (laughs) analysis of the latest Avengers thing or the newest Netflix TV show, and it's like. I don't personally care about that yeah. and I just wish there was a way to filter it even, but Well it's, I mean you're seeing this thing with, beside the point. With with uh, here's
0: the here's a big problem with game reviews is yeah. that a game takes a long time to play. A movie yeah. doesn't, and you can get by analyzing five movie movie trailers and you well, see these these different websites that are like, Oh, let's analyze every single frame of the Avengers right. trailer.
1: Because here's the other thing, right? That both movies and books are linear experiences yeah. and anyone who sits down and watches, it is, watches the uh, TV show or watches a movie or reads a book or a comic or whatever, they're going to get essentially the same experience where mm-hmm. games by their very nature are interactive and everyone's going to have a very fundamentally different experience. So somebody who sits down to watch a movie is not going to get that same um or they're going to have a very similar experience their observation within that like early time window is going to be much more valid than someone who tries to rush through a game to play in the minimum possible amount of time
0: absolutely so that that's why it's it's tough to get reviews i mean when we talk about yeah. people that subsist just on them i think of famous youtubers i think of like super bunny hop um, people that are doing what i would call more of a critique more of an mm-hmm. analysis. And I've seen a couple of websites that put out reviews on uh, Lost Legacy. It was a game that I reviewed and I was checking what other people thought. And I'm really glad I had played that game already before I read this this website's review because they, there were spoilers all over the place. And I think that sometimes people confuse... To me, a game review should be buyer's advice. You're mm-hmm. trying to say, who would be interested in spending money on this? Who would feel like they're getting... A good value for their money and that's yeah that and that's why i think you should throw out the number thing you should say look mm-hmm. do you like deus ex do you like environmental storytelling um if you want a strong narrative i wouldn't play prey or dishonored but if you love environmental storytelling both made by the same studio of, yeah. like of the bioshocks and and the deus exes then that is for you you're gonna find a heck of a lot of value out of that. And it's it's the same thing like I don't want to play an RPG where I have to grind all the time or where it's all mm-hmm. about side quests, where it's all about, uh, you know, crazy lore. That's not interesting to me. But somebody else, they're going to love Disgaea or they're going to love like mm-hmm. a Final Fantasy twelve. But it's, that's what it all has to come down to is the review needs to be, but how can you shift that? Because people love the number. I love what Kotaku is yeah. doing. Kotaku is saying, should you buy this game? Here are the pros, here are the cons. When, especially when they do their, um, top 12 games for the system and that's Mm -hmm. constantly updated they they show you the game and they go who is this for who is this isn't i think that's they've distilled it down to probably the perfect way to review a game online
1: nice yeah that sounds like a much better way of doing it um always having that sort of pros and cons you'll like x if you like y sort of thing yes um i definitely agree that the the number score just really doesn't make sense another reason that um sort of another inherent flaw that i see in the numerical scores is that like think about how much games change nowadays more than ever like it used to be that a game was a packaged product and sent off and it was static and nowadays games are updated so much post-launch um game trailers originally gave hearthstone a very favorable review you and i both played it we both liked it i can't play hearthstone anymore it's so much to do with luck and it's so infuriating to Mm. me that i just like any any time i get an inclination to play the game i just recently installed it played about five matches of it and i was like oh yeah that's why i hate this and i uninstalled it right because it was just like and and that's where obviously your opinions are going to change over time as the game Uh, games like hearthstone games like team fortress 2 um hearthstone i think is a better example because they took it in a very different direction i think team fortress other than becoming hat fortress (laughs) um is still sort of serving that core shooter audience as it always had i i don't know for sure i haven't played team fortress 2 myself um just not really big into online shooter games so uh, it's from an outsider's perspective, but it still seems to me like the game, although I know that, like the meta might have changed a whole lot, but I think the review points are still going to be largely valid, whereas in other games where the direction and the feel of the gameplay has changed so drastically, right? Um, yeah, it's going to be one of those things where the original review that was put out for a game, like you're going to have to practically publish a new review per version of the game some point
0: and i mean and that's more and more games now that are that are looking for this persistent uh they want to keep the money flowing in any way they can and a lot of publishers are looking at that as persistent games that are games as a service games as a lifestyle they want you to consider yourself a destiny gamer who checks in once a day they want to give you those rewards if you looked Mm -hmm. at a game like metal gear solid 5 that game was fantastic when it first came out, and it got progressively worse because it kept adding these online components. That were it was like having a Tamagotchi, where if you mm. didn't come back and play for a couple days, people had ransacked your base. You know, what's going on here? And you're losing all these resources. Everything you'd worked on is gone, because Konami wants to sell you. They actually wanted to sell people insurance
1: for this. Yeah, it's like I get that feeling from uh, Clash of Clans. I uh, when I because I, I try a lot of mobile games just to see what all the fuss is about. And yeah, that, that feeling of like logging in and someone's destroyed all your stuff and stolen a bunch of your things. Like I expect that kind of tactic from terrible mobile games. I do not expect that from a AAA game that I paid like what, 60, $70 in Canada with tax. It's almost like $80 now at this point.
0: Oh man. In Canada, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, retail games are $79 and then with tax, it'll take you up to, I think I paid almost 100 when I bought Fallout 4. Cheese. yeah and i'm in quebec so the tax is a little bit higher but you know now we have to think about these perpetual reviews and the game's going mm-hmm. change games that are coming out with bugs games that they used to make a game back in our day and they would ship it on the disc but now when they're done they go all right we've shipped it but we're not actually done we're going to put everything into patch day one so
1: okay but that's there's that actually a very good reason for that let just a quick divulging uh quick point about like day zero patches sure um that does actually make a whole lot of sense because if you think about the amount of time it takes to take the gold master version of the game, uh, send it off to manufacturers, get it printed on the discs, put it into boxes, ship it to all the retail stores. Yeah, you're losing about two, maybe three weeks. I don't know for sure, but right. let, let's say it could even be um, in today today's like shipping speeds, I feel like maybe two weeks, but it could be up to a month. Sure. Imagine having a month, extra to work and polish on your game.
0: Um,
1: I think it's irresponsible of developers to say, "Uh, yeah, there's a game-breaking bug, but don't worry, we'll fix it by day zero. Hope you do. And then what about the people who try to play the game without installing the day zero patch? So, I think there's definitely room to allow uh, developers to create these day zero patches uh, for small things, but there should never be, like, your experience in this game is dependent on the day zero patch. Because, again online um support for these games is going to dwindle eventually if someone tries to play your game uh when the services that are meant to deliver the patches no longer exist and all they can do is install the version off the disc then what because now you're just stuck with a broken game
0: or people that don't have internet i mean yeah somebody exactly. who's in the army and they're trying to play some playstation and yeah you know they don't or i mean they actually probably have Satellite internet and that kind of thing, but it's limited. But there <laughs> Still, are there are people in the point. world that don't have, especially the size of these. Some of these patches are huge, so mm-hmm. that review could be different for them because they could be playing a different version of the game. uh
1: because yeah, we can at least sort of assume that develop that uh, reviewers are playing the day zero patch version.
0: I would imagine so. Yeah. And I mean, they're and, likely you, than not. You got some games that are coming out with game-breaking bugs. Even with that day one patch, yeah. Uh, the Surge, a reviewer on our site at 90skid.com, gave it a, a really low score and got blasted mm. by commenters. Big surprise because uh, he encountered it, and three other people encountered it, and people said that they didn't uh, didn't affect them, but he couldn't mm. finish the game. And actually, the same thing happened to him when Prey as well to start off. Mm. So that's uh, with the timeline. You know, when I think about... Um, I was taking a look at, like, what are some 8 out of 10 games from the big sites? Uh, mm-hmm. We got Tacoma, Overcooked, Splatoon, Final Fantasy Twelve, The Zodiac Age, Elder Scrolls Online, Morrowind, Splatoon 2, Tekken 7. I missed one twice. Uh, did I? Strafe, <laughs> Poi Poi Tetris, Mr. Shifty, For Honor, Yakuza. Kill- like, there are so many games. That was just in a, a very small window. Now, mm-hmm. all those games are getting an 8. Like, you- first off... Mr. Shifty is a very, very specific game, and I I really didn't like it. I thought it was um, trying to be Hotline Miami without any of the style. To me, it was a, unless you really like this Hotline Miami style and you want more and you don't care about uh, it growing at all, then you can go for it. A couple other sites gave it pretty low scores. A lot of sites did. But, you know, you see it sitting on these big sites, and I think one of the problems that's going, that's going on is... I can't confirm any of this. But these are some like rumors I've heard is that the people that are setting some of the scores on say IGN GameSpot are not the ones that are writing reviews. They've tended to, to source out a lot of their reviews. Now you don't see a lot of the big names on IGN GameSpot anymore. You've got a couple, but they, when they had their exodus of reviewers leave like Greg Miller, Colin Moriarty, these people that went and found greater success with uh, Patreon, and Mm. starting up their own thing and using those sites to get bigger. We've seen a lot of these like freelancers. There's not a picture. They're not showcased on podcasts anymore. They're not Mm. letting those personalities get big. But you're reading the review and sometimes you're saying, from the review, it feels like this is not a high recommendation. And what does the site give it? Eight out of 10. Eight Mm. out of 10, eight out of 10. Whether that has to do... I'm not one that thinks people are being paid off at all. But... Um, I'm thinking more of, I just think it's just an easier, more palatable review score to give out. Or if you're if you're using a metric of, we need to factor graphics, sound, visual controls, presentation, mm-hmm. whereas fun needs to be like, is this game gonna, are you gonna have a good time playing this game? Or are you gonna yeah. be bored out of your mind with great controls and good sound?
1: Right. Well, it's one of those things that really depends on the core engagement of a game. Like sometimes um, the core engagement of a game isn't necessarily fun. Like I didn't play through the last of us to have fun right because that was a game that was all about the story yes um and then at the same time yeah uh and then there's other games that like you know you don't play through undertale necessarily for the artwork Mm -hmm. holy cow that game has brilliant music that i listen to on an almost daily basis but there's i'd say overall it is lacking in the visual department did it still deserve all the 10 out of 10 reviews it got maybe um I don't know if it's necessarily a perfect game. It's really right. I think a perfect game. Let's you know, you talked about the um 8 out of 10 reviews. Let's talk about 10 out of 10 okay, reviews yeah. for just a second because I think games like Breath of the Wild mm-hmm. I feel like yeah, that probably did deserve a 10 out of 10 because that game is just amazing in every single facet. Um and it just Other games like how do you really say something is perfect? Like what what, what might be perfect for some people is probably not going to be perfect for others. Sure. Um, it's one of those things that's kind of frustrating where like you might really, really absolutely love a game. Like I love Paper Mario, The Thousand Year Door, but there's definitely some things that I that would hold me back from giving it a 10 out of 10 because there are just a few small flaws that I find in the overall experience but at the same time if i were to then put it on a the same like 9 out of 10 level with other games that don't do that aren't overall as much fun but get less things wrong like sure. it's just it's again it's it's why the number scale is really broken right it kind of i mean it kind of comes down to
0: an overall feeling of it i mean to yeah. address breath of the wild for me and you and i have talked about it there's another episode of that if you want to check yeah. it out we gush over it because it it did what we love about Zelda and it did what we love about open world i don't want to speak for you but for from what i can remember it was for that for me that game gave me a feeling that i had when i was a kid playing games when i first played ocarina of time that i thought i could never get again mm-hmm. and it fixed what I hated about open world games. It fixed what I was starting to hate about modern games. It fixed what I was starting to hate about Zelda games. But for people that miss dungeons in Zelda, for people that don't mm-hmm. like inventory systems, that don't like weapons breaking, that yeah. game, that that you, it's hard to quantify magic and wonder. What some people are going yeah. to be, it's like falling in love with somebody. You know, you might, someone might be the person of your dreams, and for someone else, they go, ah, oh, they're annoying. That's a quite good analogy, yeah. Well, thank you. So now, when we think about numbers, mm-hmm. I love when I do assign a number for a game. Mm. A lot of times, it's out of three. Sometimes it's out of five. Because for me, out of ten, okay, ten—that's your—that's your highest thing. That's your game mm-hmm. that is impactful, revolutionary. Maybe it has some flaws, but it's almost essential. Nine, yeah, great. Eight to me seems to be about average. And then if yeah. then you got your seven, that's like, well, it's got some flaws, but if you like this kind of game, you should go for it. Out of ten, is there any point in playing a six five four three two one? What I mean, do
1: the, let's be real. Does, does any does a game even get anything less than a five?
0: Like well, yeah, you, what you, you get, the get these review
1: scores that are out of ten, and yeah. le, they're basically just a five star review system. Except you're counting from five upwards, because if yeah. something gets a five out of ten, that's basically the equivalent of a one out of five, right? Exactly. You would play yeah. a five out of ten game.
0: No, I mean, and and like, what is? four is what unplayable three is it will hurt you two is what it's offensive one it sets your console on fire i mean yeah, like I how mean it's why even have yeah. those like I, I i like the five star system i think works pretty well to me i like three because three is you should really play this game mm-hmm. two is it's it's pretty good if you like this kind of thing and one is no don't bother mm.
1: yeah and, and even like um one of the other things that's really difficult is when reviewers have, like, some people have this review score out of five. Mm-hmm. Some people have a number out of 40. I think there's one major review site that has, like, a number well, out of 40. Uh,
0: 40 would be if you do, like, 1.25, 1. 1.5, 1.75. Because yeah. you're getting four per number out of ten.
1: Right. And then, you know, y- you take these... Um, reviews that I said, like these are technically out of 10 reviews yeah. and you try to average them with the out of five reviews. And as I said, sure, a review score out of 10 is really a review score between five out of 10 and 10 out of 10. So is it really fair to say that a game that got three out of five stars equates to a game that got a six out of 10? Yeah, exactly. Maybe, maybe not. Because I, I feel like a three out of five star game is almost closer to like a seven and a half eight
0: out of ten absolutely yeah a three out of five is is definitely it's what i like what i like about five is that there is no middle it's either Mm -hmm. below the average or it's above the average whereas a six a six uh, a six out of ten is it's basically and and also because of the trend that everyone has set the precedent that everyone has set the six is a failure it becomes a game that you you have to really so i mean what it comes down to is 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 this game for you Mm -hmm. will these weaknesses bother you will these strengths bother you what are you looking for what is the experience and that is really what reviews have to be so people need to stop for but here's another problem is that um we've heard about publishers that are rewarding their developers for Mm -hmm. achieving certain metacritic scores and we've yeah. seen that these that these numbered systems, like you're saying, are unfairly represented on Metacritic. Metacritic has become incredibly powerful. A lot yeah. of people will look right at Metacritic, and that's how they decide to uh, to get their games. But it's so I would feel terrible for a developer that you know loses their bonus by one point because Giant Bombs three out of five puts it at a six, and that's a huge, huge. Uh, that's gonna bring your average down big time.
1: Yeah, because it's it's one of those things where, like, on the surface, I absolutely think, yeah, if a game does really well, then, of course, the development staff should be rewarded. But when you're tying that numerically to review scores, that's when it becomes problematic because of all the issues that we're dredging up about uh, review scores. Now, of course, it seems like we could talk all day about all Mm -hmm. the flaws uh, inherent to the game review scene. So... Uh, i'm curious do you feel like you have any suggestions i know you mentioned you have your sort of like three-star rating scale um but is there anything else that you think is a, a way to improve these practices well i mean
0: it's putting less of an emphasis on the the numbers is a big one mm-hmm. but if you absolutely have to then you either sort of recommend it or you don't you like you brought right. up earlier you want to you want to give basic examples of i mean like if you're going to tell somebody look this game is basically a bastion meets command and conquer all right if you like those things if you like that and then I'm here's how that. <laughs> yeah, exactly right and then it's uh but for somebody who likes sports games it's not going to be an eight out of ten for them no so i mean focusing less on the numbers and more on examples of the experience that is within the game um, focusing on the the types of what you're doing in the game, without yeah. and also let's knock out the spoilers, please. I'm sick mm-hmm. of those. Even in screenshots, videos of showing areas, even just sometimes seeing a new background, like you might have wanted to discover that for yourself. There's Absolutely. a there's something in Dark Souls three. There's a big area everybody really liked when they got to, and I won't even talk mm-hmm. about it. But it's also you got to stay off social media when you try to play these games. <laughs> but that's but that's about spoilers. Yeah. Um. Also. Bringing back the... all right. here's... My biggest advice is find a reviewer who has similar taste to you. Mm -hmm. That's what you need to do. I mean, I've I've mentioned this one before. Uh, Jeff Cork is a great example. He works for Game Informer. He's a hilarious uh, writer. And uh, him and I do not have the same taste in games. Mm. I'm willing to look at... There are a lot of games, almost always, games that have a great gameplay hook or a story hook that I like, and I'm willing to forgive other things. For him, boom, he gives it a 5 out of 10. And, uh... And you just have to find those ones that suit your taste, because that's 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 what you're going off of. It's it's a preference thing, it's a taste, and it's opinion, and we need to realize that that is more important than any metric.
1: And on that note, unfortunately we're going to have to take a pause in the recording because my audio setup has just failed me. So we're going to have to cycle back to this topic, because there's obviously a lot more we want to say about game reviews. And yeah, so look forward to a, I guess, part two of this episode at some point. So I actually just recently released a brand new game, Orbit Satellite Defense, into early access on Steam. I'm supporting it with weekly updates through this coming April 2018, when the game reaches its 1.0 release. Uh, aside from that, you can also follow me at Attila Gabriel, my personal handle, or my game dev handle. Uh, Bluish Green Pro. You can also submit questions, comments, and feedback to my website, bluishgreenproductions.com.